Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Blind Leading the Blind podcast. My name is Chris. And I am Mike. And we are certainly glad to have you listen to us for a little bit. You almost said have you today, didn't you? No, I didn't. Have you here is what I almost ah, said. But yeah. you're not here, you're there. Unless you're here is you're there. Or you're there is you're here, which means I'm there. Hmm. Um, <laughs> we are coming to you fairly live. Fairly live. Fairly live. We sort of survived today. From the um, um, uh, Studio B, and that's B-E, in the basement of B Ministries in Marion, Ohio. We're just pleased as punch that you're giving us a gander. Pleased as punch. Pleased as punch you're giving us an ear gander. That's hilarious. Uh, Yes, if you would like to get a hold of us, uh, there are several different ways. Uh, One, you can reach us. Our email is blindpod at gmail.com. That's B-L-I-N-D-P-O-D at Mm -hmm. gmail.com. You can also reach us on Facebook. Uh, First name, Blind Leading, all one word. Last name, The Blind, all one word. And uh, also, you can hit us up on Instagram, at BlindPod, although we don't really post a whole lot on Instagram. I need to get back into that. I used to post an update uh, every time I put out an episode. I would throw a thing up on Instagram, too, uh, and I haven't been doing that. that's that's our contact though. If you want to get a hold of us, we love it when people get a hold of us. It makes things more interesting, so we don't have to be boring. Even when Mr. Hoffer just reaches out in a text and says, "I'm staying in constant contact." <laughs> constant contact, eh? Yeah. I am a I man if of that's, constant contact. I wonder if that's a basketball reference. <laughs> and check. Yeah. Um, so. I think that's uh, that's the contact. Is there anything else? That's, no, that's the basis. That's, if, I mean, if you want to if you want to get our attention, just walk up to me in church and smack me in the back of the head. Oh, I'd like to see that. Um, I'm sure it'll happen now. <laughs> uh, so, usually, fun facts are the first thing that we do. Today, it's going to be a little different. I guess maybe different is good. I like different. Um, we don't necessarily have a set topic that we're going to discuss, but we have several things that you and I have been sort of discussing in text messages. Yes. So we're going to throw things around and see what sticks. Okay. Uh, but let us not forget our everyone's favorite segment. Probably not. Just a joke. Uh, <laughs> fun facts. <laughs> yeah, fun facts. Uh, I have two. I have two. Wow. A doubling up on the fun facts. Um, I found an article... Uh, so apparently a wildlife photographer, uh, has found a never before seen animal. Uh, it is a yellow penguin. Mm-hmm. Um, Belgian landscape and wildlife photographer, Bob Ives, Ives, oh, Adams, Eves, Adams, Eves, Eves. I'll keep wanting to say Jeeves. Bring me some tea. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, that guy was leading a two-month photo expedition in the South Atlantic in 2019. Uh, made a stop on an island in South Georgia. Not the country. I yeah. mean, not the state. The country. Right. Yeah. Uh, photographed a colony of over 120,000 king penguins. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And uh, among them was this crazy-looking yellow... And white penguin. I, I wonder if it's like an albino strain and what the genetics are on that. I have no idea. Uh, I'll see if I can post this on our 
Facebook you should be able to. so that people can see uh, the pictures because they're incredible. This penguin looks nuts. It's uh, where it would normally be black is yellow, and the white parts are still white, but mm-hmm. where it would normally be black is very bright yellow. It's an incredible looking thing. Interesting. Uh, so that's fun fact number one. <laughs> fun fact number two gets a little more interesting. <laughs> be, partly because I don't even understand all of what it's talking about. So I found out that one of my favorite places to eat mm-hmm. has uh, stepped into the uh, 21st century. Well, what, what is this place that you so frequently frequent? <laughs> the good old Colonel himself, ah, Colonel can... Sanders, the old KFC. Uh, turns out that they uh, decided to get into the bioprinting game, I guess. Yeah. I don't even know what bioprinting is. Um, I can take a gander at it and uh, also a guess. <laughs> but uh, so apparently this says KFC will test chicken nuggets made with 3D bioprinting technology in Moscow, Russia, this fall. The chain announced in a July 16th press release. Uh, So apparently this came out in July. I just now saw it. So Um, The chicken chain has partnered with 3D bioprinting solutions to create chicken nuggets made in a lab with chicken and plant cells. Interesting. I don't know what bioprinting is. Well, evidently it's some sort of... And you know, I don't know. I just won't. I won't. I, <laughs> I could hazard a guess. There's 3D printing, which is layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. Yes. Um, so I'm kind of assuming that that's it. The plant cells may be the thing that binds the protein and the chicken together. I think so. I think that's already a common practice that yeah. other restaurants use is using plant fiber as the binder. Right. Slime. Yeah. Goop, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, however... Bioprinting to me sounds like kind of what happens when you throw someone in a wood chipper, except you stuff them in a printer. Would be interesting. Any volunteers? Uh, raise your hand. Oh, really? Really? Okay, we'll be in touch. Yep, we'll get a hold of you. Uh, so yeah, so yellow penguins and KFC is printing chicken. Which sort of reminds me, there was an episode earlier when we discussed penguins, the giant extinct oh, penguins. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and we got talking about what penguins taste like well of course we found out that it is illegal in the united states of america to eat a penguin ah yes Um, sadly not permitted but there could be now a restaurant bioprinting or not called not kfc but kfp (laughs) kentucky fried penguin boys and girls golden crispy here we go see the yellow penguin golden crispy it's georgia hot kentucky fried penguin (laughs) oh no, what's the thing in, in Georgia? This uh, ch- pig, ping, Penguin and waffles. <laughs> penguin and waffles with some comeback sauce. Ooh. I made some this weekend. Ooh, I did got, you really? I got Raisin King beat now. Ooh. It, that's why, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Fried chicken, collard oh. greens, mashed potatoes, oh. Oh. and comeback sauce. Mm-hmm. Oh. And then I made a Boston cream pie, which was absolutely the best thing I have ever hey, made. Hey, let me tell you something. The I, picture I, you sent me of that? Yeah. That was like, you could stick that in a window and sell it. Just so you know, it is gone. Oh, my goodness. I made it Saturday, and it is gone. Yeah, that is, that is, that is, that was beautiful. It was, it was delicious. Yeah. Uh, So, 
Thank you, Sally's Baking Addiction. <laughs> it's a website, nothing weird. <laughs> I almost wondered if we needed to have counseling. <laughs> if I make another one of those cakes this week, we will. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, so... You had you had something about Jacob you wanted to talk about your boy Jacob. Yeah, so I so my wife called me. <gasps> There's an amber. Get alert. it off the table, so it doesn't vibrate in the microphone. <laughs> uh, okay, so there's an amber alert. Black GMC Yukon Denali, Ohio plate. JGP two zero five eight, white male, one year old, with blue PJs. There you go. All right, you be on the lookout. Y'all look out. This will be a week late, but y'all keep an eye out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, my son Jacob. So my wife sent me a text message at work earlier, and uh, <laughs> now to preface this for those of you, a lot of our listeners, most of our listeners know who my son Jacob is. Uh, he's nine years old, and uh, he loves to shoot his bow and arrow in the backyard mm-hmm. and uh he's just got this i i made him a bow out of pvc pipe and so it's not it actually has more beef behind it than you would think i would if i had to hazard a guess i'd say 15 to 20 pounds which ain't no slouch for right. a kid's bow right and he's got some little practice arrows that he shoots and he's been practicing out in the backyard and he's actually pretty good with it and this year probably very soon We'll be upgrading him to uh, more of a legitimate bow so he can uh, do other things. But so he's out in the backyard practicing, and, and at my house we have uh, we have ducks. We are duck farmers, I guess. Yes. I, look, I don't know. What do they call that? I don't, it's not an aviary. No, it's a duckiary. <laughs> a duckiary. A, duck, yeah. a duckery. Yeah, we got eight or nine ducks and a couple of chickens, and I built them a little house that they run around in. Yeah, duckery. (laughs) And uh, so anyway, he's out there shooting his bow practicing, and he looks over, and there's this raccoon that gets into the duck pen. Oh, my. Now, there's an eight-foot fence up around that whole duck pen, and then there's a house that's fully housed, right? Yeah. And uh, so this coon is definitely making a shot for either the duck eggs or the ducks themselves. Probably the eggs, I would guess, yeah. And uh, so anyway... He goes in the duck pen and he tried. It was, apparently, it was a young raccoon, so he he tried to shoo it out without hurting it, and was like, you know, just get out of here, and it didn't want to leave. It was uh, pretty adamant about staying. If you've ever cornered a raccoon, they're not happy about it. No, no, I yes, no, they're not. <laughs> oh, oh, also, Wilson doesn't know this story, so he's hearing it live. Uh, with the I'm rest so, of you. So, <laughs> so now we have my son Jacob in the duck pen with a raccoon. Aren't you just this is like exciting? I gave him a clue. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Jacob in the duck pen. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, apparently he tried to get it to go away and it decided he, it wanted to get mean with him. Mm-hmm. And so he said he backed up because it was starting to do the whole growling showing its teeth thing yeah. and he was like alright cool I've heard my dad talk about raccoons and they tear you up so I don't really want to mess with it right. too much and so he just goes to the opposite side of the duck pen so it's probably well it's a 12 no 16 by 16 duck pen so he's okay. 16 feet away yeah. and uh, goes ahead and draws an arrow back and 
just goes ahead and waylays this coon. Does he really? Oh yeah. He straight. Uh, he said the first arrow hit him in the leg, uh-huh. and uh, he only has two arrows. So the second arrow went in the stomach area. Yeah. Good shot, right? And so now I'm out of arrows, and this angry coon is sitting there trying to freaking out because yeah. I've hit it twice with practice arrows, by the way, not broadheads. Oh, my. Uh, yeah. And uh, so he just continued to walk over and pick up his arrows and go back on the other side and shoot this thing repeatedly. <laughs> I guess he shot it like three or four times. So he hit it. The, the ones that penetrated were, right. the, were the leg, the stomach cavity, and the neck. Yeah. And uh, so at that point, the coon's pretty much on its way out. And uh, so he goes over, and it wasn't moving, and he didn't know if it was dead. This is the first time he's ever been in an environment where an animal's dying in front of him. Right. And so he was just like, because I I, I hunt all the time, but he's never shot an animal. He's never killed an animal. Right. And so he walks over, and he picks up an arrow and pokes it just to see if it's dead. Yeah. (laughs) Because it wasn't moving. He poked it, and the thing freaks out and starts biting the arrow. Uh Uh-huh. And so he was like, I didn't know what else to do, so I just crammed the arrow down the thing's throat. Yep. And uh, so it finally got the arrow back out of its throat as he crammed it, apparently, like a long ways. And uh, wow. so this coon, at this point, he's like, I don't know what to do. I've got an angry coon bleeding all over the duck pen, and I don't know what else to do to make it die. And so he goes inside and gets Laura. Now, my wife was not in the best health today, and she was trying to get outside and figure out what was going on. She sees the coon. It had crawled up on the side of the duck pit. It's hanging off the side of the duck pit, obviously injured and ready to die. Right. So it makes its way up into the tree behind the duck pit. It's a little small mulberry tree. And uh, so my wife called the neighbor and had them come over and use my pistol to shoot it because she didn't feel comfortable shooting it in her state. Yes. And uh, so, yeah. So the coon is dead. Jacob was victorious. And uh, I was... It was funny because he was... Terrified, apparently, that he was going to get in trouble for it. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not angry. I'm proud of you. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> like, like, good job. I was like, you know, in the future, don't shoot animals with your practice arrows because right. you're, you want to, if you're going to kill an animal, you want to do it as humanely as possible. Right. Right. I understand it was trying to get the ducks. Good job. Good protection. Right. Good protecting the ducks. But, you know, next time, why don't you grab your mom or me or whoever, an adult, you know, don't just go. I said, because in all reality, when you walked over and poked it with the arrow, that could have been it, really bad for you. It could have flown out of there, yeah. That could have been yeah. really bad for you. So, yeah. <laughs> But uh, the, the, the threat was uh, neutralized, and Jacob... That's spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. You remember that day forever. Absolutely. I, I, that's, it was, I was just beaming with joy. <laughs> so well, well done, Boyle. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, that is literally all the fun facts and stories I have. Do you have any fun things, sir? I, you know, I, I really have no fun things other than my friend Dan Campbell is has been texting me today. Yeah, and um, he cleared off, used the snowblower and cleared off a place in his backyard and got out his smoker and did chickens. <gasps> Oh, he smoked two chickens. He's got a picture of one of them. It's so really we're going to Dan's after we get done recording this, right? Evidently, <laughs> there's only one chicken left. Oh, I see. Well, and Sophie really, probably got a lot of it. Well, no. I expected <laughs> Dan pretty much fended <laughs> off all the critters in that house, and ate himself full of chicken. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of chicken. A lot, honestly. As mm-hmm. much as I talk about eating like fried chicken and KFC, I do like fried chicken. Mm-hmm. But like generally speaking. 
most chicken I don't enjoy in, in meals and stuff. It's not my go-to. I like chicken. The chicken thighs. How, thighs. Thighs or wings, that's it. Yeah. I, now, I will smash some chicken wings. Yeah. But for me, when it comes to chicken, smoked chicken is like, if you smoke chicken, I'll mm-hmm. eat it all day long. I'll completely yeah. bash it. Yeah. Pretty much flame and smoke touches meat, I'll eat it. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about getting the uh, smoker out this weekend. I need I need to get a smoker, period. N- not really. You just need to get like a Weber kettle grill. Or, you know, one of those. Well, I have a, a, a grill. I have work. a gas grill that broke, and I just turned it into a charcoal grill. Yeah, so I, I have that. That's you really need. Well, you just got a Yoda me. Got you a Yoda? Oh, yeah, I got you to, be Yoda, I'll be the Padawan. I got mm-hmm. to. Oh, here we go with these references. I do not fully understand. <laughs> Never seen Star Wars? I've seen Star Wars. What's a Padawan? It's a Jedi learner. It's a young Jedi. I see things I did not know. I'm just still catching up with Guardians of the Galaxy and some of the <laughs> Avengers. Oh, man. My kids are, are, are uh, following in my footsteps, unfortunately, with the whole comic book thing. No, they no. are. They, they love the Avengers and, and all that stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah. It's fun to have things to talk about with your kids. And they're like... It's, oh, absolutely. it's funny to them that I was into all that stuff when I was a kid with comic books and, and things like that, and it's still a thing now. And they're like, I thought stuff just went away when it got old. No, it's still, <laughs> it stays forever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's all the really super fun stuff that, that I have. That's that's pretty much it. I just right now my brain is uh, the the filing cabinet with all the smoker recipes has now been kicked over. Ah, and so uh, I don't want to bore everybody with all is the that, things. Is in. that little bugger running around in there kicking over filing cabinets again? He is. He's just <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he's uh, doing stuff. Uh, so I, I do have some. You you and I were texting yeah. last night. I think it was last. Yeah. yeah, it was last night. Um. So I've been trying to make my way through this documentary for probably a month now. And um, just because I find certain things that most people find boring, incredibly fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I got to watching this documentary about uh, about the first one. The first whole entire half of it was about Mennonites. Okay. Um, I did not know that there was this incredible Mennonite population in South America. You know, I did not know that either. In Belize, there are giant communities of 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 mennonites and one of the one of the the, so the whole documentary the premise of the documentary is religious persecution within the amish community and and mennonites right okay and so uh the first section about mennonites was these people were uh a lot of the mennonites in their community some of them have progressed into more modern things like guys who do construction work and uh, the doctor and a couple of other people in the village had gotten cell phones so yeah. that they could further their business and now it's it's against the rules to have telephone wires inside of the house so well, now are, aren't men and I just kind of generally more liberal they are Amish for sure they are but even but these, the, this particular group that they were focusing on was more old order Mennonite okay. than... Okay. A, and so anyway, there was a, a, a f, like, like five or six families, which equaled out to about 30 to 40 people. <laughs> I'm sure, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, the one guy had 
15 kids. Goodness and, gracious. And the average is seven. Yeah. And, I mean, I thought I had a lot of kids that's, before. That's, yeah. <laughs> um, Tradition. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So, but they were in Belize, and that's where their community was, mm-hmm. where they were grew up there. I mean, they, there's a huge Mennonite population in Belize. Wow. Um, and so, but they wanted to leave that community because it was the outside world was getting too close to them and they didn't agree with the modernization that was happening around them and they didn't okay. want to. So they were decided rather than uh, fight with the community, they would remove themselves, mm-hmm. right? And so because they didn't think it was right, they thought right. it was a sin what they were doing. And so they said, we'll go start our own community. Now they're in Belize. And they said, we'll go to Peru and start our own community from that's, scratch. That's a distance. So they bought land in Peru, right in the middle of the Amazon jungle. Wow. And I'm expecting to watch this going, uh, you're just going to go in the middle of the jungle and start hacking down trees and build a community? I mean, I know that's kind of how Amish people work. Right. But I'm like, what? <laughs> and so they... Sure enough, they get all these kids and they pack everything up. They load everything, all the stuff they're taking in a shipping container. Like five families worth of, I'm talking tractors and farm equipment. Right. They sold, got rid of almost everything. Yeah, well, they'd have to. And the one guy only kept his marriage bed. (laughs) His wife wanted to keep it. She said, I got to keep the bed. If I'm getting rid of everything else, then I have to have one thing from from our, you know, to take. And it was kind of a sacred thing. And so... Most of it was farm equipment, <laughs> just packed into this daggone shipping container. And so they get on an airplane, like 30-some Amish people in an airport, and they go all go load up on airplanes, and they go fly to Belize. They get off there, and they go around and make their little arrangement. They have to do the money exchange. By the way, I didn't know this, but a lot of Amish people are completely loaded. Oh, absolutely. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. Generational wealth upon generational wealth. Yeah. Well, we're going to get there because something incredible happened in the back half. We're going to get there. But they go to Belize. They get set up and they go to this property. And I found out that there were already people there. Apparently, there were two or three other families that had settled this land in the middle of the jungle in Peru. And so they showed up there, shook their hands, gave them hugs, whatever. Hey, we're here. Cool. Here's my house. Here's your house. That's your plot of land over there that you bought. And here's this section of land for you. And we'll start working on your house tomorrow. And they'll raise a house there and they'll build a school and and they'll build a community right there in the middle of the jungle. Okay. Farming equipment. What do they farm? What do they grow? So uh, everything. Because it's a tropical environment. Right. I mean, literally, the guy was going down the list. We're talking uh, sugar cane. We're talking uh, bananas. Okay. Ironically enough. Um, Tomatoes. Just all the fruits and vegetables. Peppers. Well, it would be a great place to do it. Yeah. And he was one of the things that I thought it was cool because when the guy got to the property and they're standing there in this cleared out area of the jungle and they're standing there and he just, one of the first things he did when he got out of the truck was he reached out and grabbed a handful yeah. of the soil and let it run out of his hand and looked at it and was like, oh yeah, we're going to be able to grow good stuff here. This yeah. is good soil. Yeah. And it was just like, 
you know this guy has done nothing but farm his entire life. All he cares about is the quality of the soil. Yeah, that's great. And uh, so anyway, that that was neat to watch that. And then so the then it rolled into the Amish, mm-hmm. which apparently is incredibly different from Mennonite. I thought they were fairly alike, but no, apparently I, they're not. No, they're not. Um, so it was following this. By the way, the only way you can get cameras into an Amish people's house to, oh, to video them, them, no, is yeah. if they're on their way out. And they don't care. Oh, okay. Otherwise, they'll run you out. They'll hurt you. Yeah, you're not allowed. Yeah. Um, so it was interesting, though, because it, it showed this. There's a place, apparently, in Intercourse, Pennsylvania. Yes. Which is apparently the Amish capital of the United States. Uh, funny name for what we were talking about, right? Amish people. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, but there's a place there called Amish Town, and it's like a tourist attraction. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. go through and see how the Amish live, and you mm-hmm. see you buy goods off of them, and everything's hunky-dory. And the guy that was the, the main Amish guy that was being followed around in this documentary was like, this is what the world sees as Amish people. Right. A cookie cutter. Everyone lives better because they treat each other nicely, and they... Uh, they help each other out. They don't fight. They don't argue. Blah, blah blah. There's not politics. Yada yada yada. And he was like, "It's all lies." Yeah. None of that is true. Right. It's quite the opposite. And uh, so we move into this documentary. And this family. <laughs> I was my head was exploding. This almost this guy and his family were being excommunicated from their local church and shunned. Right. Uh, which, by the way, shunned, I did not understand the extent of the word oh, shunned. Complete. Uh, I, I thought it was just, hey, we don't talk to them anymore. Uh-huh. They're not part of us. Uh-huh. Ignore them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not. No. It is uh, a complete and utter removal right. from the society. You do no commerce with them. You have no... If Pennsylvania they, are not intercourse with them, yeah. you just don't engage. Yeah, they if they make food, you don't eat it. Right. Uh, if I mean, I mean, it just you nuts. don't give them food. Yeah, you don't nothing. No, no. they don't exist anymore. Right. As a matter of fact, I found out. Well, we'll get there anyway. So this guy, the reason he was being excommunicated mm-hmm. was for having a Bible study. How dare he! Yeah. Uh, So apparently, first, he decided he wanted to learn the Bible in English. Now, the old order Amish that he was a part of, Mm -hmm. their rules are that you can only read the Bible in old... Old. And it's not just German. It's an old, extinct language of German that no one understands. Right. Unless you're like 80. Beyond King James. Oh, way. As, a, way, as yeah, a reference point. Way beyond. Yeah. And so that's the only thing they're allowed to read. And mm-hmm. it's a sin, though they call it a sin, Yes. to read the Bible in English. Yeah. And uh, I found it very interesting that this guy was like, you know, I decided to learn how to read my Bible in English because I can read German. Mm-hmm. And I can speak German, mm-hmm. but when I read that German, no one ever taught me what it meant. I can pronounce all the lines, 
and I can read it. Oh, but he doesn't. But know. I have no idea what I'm reading. I don't oh, know okay. what it says. I have to wow. take the word of who's teaching me right. what it says. Wow. And so he said, we're supposed to have a relationship with God. We're supposed to be serving this God. And I, I want more than just a set of rules. I want to know what I'm reading. Yeah. So I want to find out for myself. That's what we're supposed to do. And so he started learning the Bible in English. And so once that got out, they, oh, don't do that. That's dangerous. That'll yeah. send you to hell. Well, yeah. And so he, he said, no, actually what it did was it showed me that a lot of what you guys are saying is not in the Bible. As a right. matter of fact, what a lot of you guys are teaching us and the rules that you have are contrary to God's word. Give an example. Because maybe everybody, maybe there are a lot of people don't know. I have to think of a specific example. Uh, okay, for, for one... Uh, no telephone wires inside the house mm -hmm. because it is a connection to the evil in the outside world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is a sin. Mm -hmm. That's no different than murder or in their eye. They treat it the same. Right. And it's, it's insane. It's nuts. The, 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 how they dress. Mm -hmm. Did you know that Amish buggies can only be painted a specific shade of gray that is specific to their local church body? I did not know that. And if you go outside of that, it's a sin? Huh. Did you know that there are specific colors that are allowed for certain Amish women to wear, or, or Mennonite even, for that right, reason, right. That, 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 that they that can wear? Yep. And that is decided also in a twice-year meeting mm -hmm. of the church elders? Of the elders, yep. It, it, but it's a sin if you break it. Yes. So it's a, they're just making up rules. And calling them sins because and, they don't like it. And primarily, it's a sin against the society, against the community. Absolutely. And, and then the elders say, oh, that's a sin against God because we said so. Yeah. And, and I'm I'm watching these Amish people interact. And, and everything that I previously thought about Amish people mm -hmm. was completely flipped on its head. Right. I've never interacted. I've never known an Amish person. I've never had a relationship or anything oh, with an okay. Amish person. Okay. I don't think I've ever even met face-to-face -face an actual Amish person. And <laughs> this guy, his name was Ephraim or Ephraim, and uh, he taught himself to read the Bible in English because he wanted a deeper relationship with God, mm -hmm. more than just rules. Right. And uh, then he started teaching himself hymns in English, which is also a sin to sing outside of German. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Apparently, he found out, <laughs> I'm sure he already knew, but he decided he wanted to start reading the Bible with a couple of his other friends. And so they would get together at each other's house and have Bible study. Pretty much undercover. Well. Very underground, I would suspect. Think, think about this. The church mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. excommunicated this guy mm -hmm. for having Bible study and prayer meetings. Yes. Because it was outside of their Sunday service. Yeah. Because we didn't say so. Right. Oh, my goodness. My head was exploding. There are... That's a very, very, very old order. Oh, yeah. Amish community. And there are different... 
depending on the elder or the bishop that's yep. in charge yep. of a community, yep. um, some of these rules are not the same. So not all Amish people are all, like this. Yep, they're all different per, per, per community. Mean, yeah. And it can change year to year or, or throughout the year. Right, right. When you think about the Amish ended up in this country. They fled religious persecution. Right. Because the, the people where they were at, the Franks, right. I believe, right. uh, wouldn't allow them to practice their religion, right. Protestant Christianity. They right. were, were Catholics. They were going to kill them. Right. And so the, the Amish came here mm -hmm. to escape religious persecution. And right. here, I'm sitting here going... What? But you're, you're, you're doing the same thing. You're now a... You're, yeah. You're kicking people out of your frigging culture for trying to serve God. Yes. And so... Uh, what? Okay, so what, what was the most surprising part of this to you? What was it that made you go, oh my golly, Miss Agnes? Well, you hear these people talk, and I'm, I'm listening to their conversations, and everything is about God. Yes. And then I hear that the church completely shunned and excommunicated this guy. Him and three or four other people, by the way, families. Right. For trying to have a relationship with God. For trying to serve God the way the Bible says to. Yes. And the reason is not... And, this, and so they go to the, the excommunication, the shunning, the ceremony, whatever, the court, you want to call it. So they go before the church and... The church, they don't have a church house. There's they they take turns having church in everybody's house, yeah. and and those churches are local. Even inside of a big village, they're local to a certain area. Right. And so, everyone you go to church with is your friends and family. Right. Not some random Joe Blow off the street. Like we we come to church, we might see people from anywhere. Right. At our church. Right. There, it's people that you've known since you were an infant. Yes. These people are family. Yes. And you have to go before them. Yeah. And the church elders are all up there like a court hearing. And, well, here's the sin that you're charged with. What do you have to say for yourself? So this guy goes in there and he's got a list. Oh, I'm sure he does. And he's just like, listen, this is what the scripture says. This is what you said. And they don't line up. And that's a problem. Yeah. And the church elders were like, yeah, but we told you not to. And he's like, and this doesn't line up with it. And this goes completely against scripture. And they're like, yes, but we told you not to. You broke the rules. You remember the discussion that we had a week or two ago about doctrine? Yeah. Churchy people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't this like is, doctrine. This is right where it is. This is where it lives. Okay. People, doctrine becomes rules in a heartbeat. Okay. And, and if you go against the doctrine of the church. Yeah. It's, it, it gets it gets ugly in a heartbeat. Like it, it's so weird because like I I know with well the only real interaction I've had in years has been the leadership in our church. Right. But if someone were to say, "Hey, what you're doing is contrary to scripture," right? Right. There would at the bare minimum at least be a council meeting where we look at what we do. Yes. And go, is that wrong? Are we going against Scripture? There would at least be a stop and question. 
And if it's no, okay, I, thanks and, for sharing. But And there would be conversations individually among leadership. Absolutely. And there go. would be conversations as a whole with leadership. Right. Right. And yes. Be, because we don't want to be contrary to Scripture. Right. And then it would certainly be addressed publicly. Absolutely. These people gave no second thought to the fact that what this guy said was completely true. And they were just like, yeah, okay, but... That's not the way we but, do but it. these are the rules. And we said, you, it, it, it's a sin to hold mm-hmm. Bible study outside of our Sunday services. And you broke the rules. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And he was just like, but... What? <laughs> right? And he, he did it right. He went, He tried to, he gave them an opportunity to repent. He brought it before them and he tried his best to get them to understand what he was saying. And, and no, you broke the rules. Yeah. Go away. And they kicked him out and his right. whole family right. and shunned him. Fast forward through all the sappy, we got kicked out and we're sad about it thing, right? Later on, at the, at, towards the end, he finds out that his daughter has leukemia. She's like seven. Mm-hmm. Starts getting really sick one day, and they take her to an actual doctor because uh, they can't go to the Amish doctor anymore. They're not allowed. Right. right. And they so they shunned. so they go to the one of the TV crew actually that was filming the documentary put her in the car and, and took them yeah to the to the hospital. Diagnosed with leukemia. Over fifty percent of the cells in her bone marrow were leukemia. Wow. Um, and the whole time they're in the hospital, this guy is spreading the gospel mm-hmm. to the nurses and the doctors and his thing that he does. And remember, he's Amish, guys. He hands out, he has these fake million-dollar bills printed with tracks on the back of them, the gospel yeah. message on the back. Yeah. And he hands them out to everybody, tells everybody about the gospel. And he, that's what he did. It's part of the reason why he got excommunicated is because he would take his kids into town. And talked in and, English, and they and they would oh. go, and they would he would minister. He would try yeah. to he would tell people the gospel. He hand right. out these tracts and tell people about Jesus because he was just like these people need to know about Jesus. And it just broke my heart to see that these people were being cast out right. of their church right. and their community, their whole life shattered because all they were trying to do was what the Bible said, mm-hmm. and. So, so the whole time his daughter's in the hospital, he's just telling people about God, and then they go home, and and that's sort of the end of the documentary. It just sort of fades off like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, well, they're... And I thought it was over, because it gave some credits, and, and then, and then boop, there's another thing, and it's here's, here's this Amish family again, and I'm going, wait, it's not over yet? And I'm trying not to cry, because this is just fantastic. Because we talk about, you know, in our church, and you and I and stuff, we, we talk about how we try so hard to serve God with right. everything. And how that, how rare that is mm-hmm. in church, in Christianity. And so the guy that was doing the documentary, his voice comes on, he's narrating, he says, uh, this British guy, and they, the family had come over to England because they'd, they had... Uh, been invited over for something I don't remember what it was but while they were there uh, he wanted to catch up with them and see how they were doing with you know, whether how they adjusted to not being Amish or right. whatever and uh, here's this whole Amish family 
hanging out on a beach in Great Britain, wearing regular clothes with coats and ball caps and mm-hmm. and just I'm just I'm sitting here going, oh my goodness, this is so fantastic. And then they, they do the interview with, how are you guys doing now? What's your life like now? And he goes, you know, everything's been great. Money's not been a problem. I've been working, you know, whatever, blah, blah, and everything's good. Uh, and then he says, but but I really think that God's calling me into, like, full-time ministry. Like I, And uh, they were like, oh, that's really neat. And so the whole time he's over there, in England, he's just walking around handing out tracts, these million-dollar bills, and mm-hmm. telling everybody about Jesus. That's what he did. The whole, all the spare time he had there, that's what he did. Wow. They didn't go sightseeing. They didn't. Right. No, he was just worried about telling people about Jesus. And they're doing the post-interview uh, thing, and he says, you know, they've made a decision. And when they get back to the States, they're going to move back to Pennsylvania, where he's from, right in the middle of Amish. Wow. They're going to move there. And he said, I'm going to completely rely on God. He goes, before we came over here, I separated out what we need for this trip to get back. Mm-hmm. And I gave everything else away. Wow. He gave his entire life savings, all of their money, gave it away to needy people. Isn't that incredible? And so when he got back, their plan was, we're just going to do whatever God says and rely completely on him. The mm-hmm. word says he'll provide, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to trust that. Here we go. And I thought, what incredible faith this guy has to just wow. dive in. Yeah. Call it irresponsible if you want, but deck on it. I was just blown. And apparently they, they do these things. They have tent meetings. So people who are shunned from the Amish or people who decided to not be Amish, whatever, but they still live the Amish lifestyle. Okay. Um, live in and around the Amish communities. And so what they'll do is they'll have... They'll form their own little churches or whatever. Right. And they're, they're all ex-Amish. But they'll have these tent meetings right in the heart of Amish country wow. and invite Amish people to come. Right. Sure. And one of the guys was saying, one of the guys in the pulpit was saying, you know, not allowing us to learn the Bible in English and keeping us in the darkness. Mm-hmm. That was the thing that triggered me in all of this to think, because I was just watching a documentary for most of it. And all of a sudden, my brain kicked over right. when when he said they're they're holding us in darkness by not mm-hmm. allowing us. And I went, okay, have I been really paying attention to this? And I rolled it back some and rewatched it. And I went, oh my goodness! And it was just like my brain started firing off all this stuff because I'm just like, I can't imagine, I cannot imagine having such a faith and fervor for God and trying your best to serve God the way the Word says, and the church says no. No, you can't do that. You're kicked out. You're gone. Yeah, I, oh, just heartbreaking and mind blowing at the same time. It's uh, you know you know we think about it, well it's, it's just that's just horrible. But there are other churches that do that, whether it's formal or not. What do you mean? Well, in the Catholic Church, there is this thing called excommunication. Sure. Um, is that still a thing? I thought yes, that ex- can, I thought can... excommunication died in the Crusades. No, 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 <laughs> no. Um, and it's left up in large measure to priests. Um, but this praise on Catholic people had had a good friend. She was her husband uh, was an abusive drunk. Okay. Um, she was a heavy duty corporate person, um, and she divorced him. They had a great daughter. Um, she met a guy and wanted to marry him. 
So she went to the priest at the church where she went, and she just poured out her heart. She said, I, I know that she never wanted to get divorced from this first guy because she was Catholic, and divorce was a sin. And she said, but I want to marry this other guy. And the priest sort of giggled. He said, well, you know, you're kind of pretty much almost divorced anyway. Um, and he said, abuse like that, get divorced. Marry this other guy. He said, now that may not be what the church says, uh, but this lady lived for three or four, uh, more than that, several years with this ex incredible guilt that was put on her by the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and feeling she wasn't good enough, I did not know that she had not taken communion in five or six years. Now, that's a big deal in Catholic right, world, right? Because she felt that she was no longer a Catholic in good standing because she had left her husband. Huh. So, yes, there are things that some churches, including the Catholic Church, will excommunicate people for, uh, and there's a whole process to it. But... Not just formal excommunication. Churches shun. Sure, they do. Set aside people who are who they don't agree with, or who have sins that they find to be, excuse me, particularly repulsive. Yeah. Or difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've watched it happen. I've experienced it, and I just I. It strikes a chord with me. Because it goes completely against the idea of grace. Absolutely. And when you talk about excommunication and people meeting together to send someone away. Now, there is, in the Bible, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians. Yep. But it's way down the line, and it's about unrepentant sin against what God has said. Yeah. And there's actually... If I'm not mistaken, there is a specific list of excommunicatable sins. I don't know that. I'm pretty sure I saw it in that documentary because part of the guy's oh, defense for the Amish, you well, mean? just in scripture because oh. he had his English, and they went down and all of these list of things, and he was like, "I'm not doing any of these things." Yeah, according to the Bible, you can't excommunicate me, and they said, right. "Yeah, you did. You broke our rules," <laughs> yeah. and it was just like. Y'all are supposed to love God. Y'all are supposed to be these this pious, quiet, close-to-God community. And the reason that you live the way you do is because you want to be holy. However, you don't care about that. Right. You care about your rules. Justice more than grace. Yeah. Being right. Uh-huh. More than grace. Oh, that's... And that's just not that. That's not an Amish thing. That's not a. Uh, it's oh, not a Catholic a, thing. That's, that's an everybody a, that's thing. That's And and it's whatever the circumstances, whatever the situation, however severe or not severe it is, it's grace first, and then justice if necessary. Yeah, always, always err on the side of grace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Weirdly enough, I had that conversation with my daughter. In her interaction with her sister, and well, you, you know how siblings fight. Right. And, and so, but we went through this whole conversation because I was like, hey, later on down the road, you know, you're going to be having real relationships with people. I mean, 
it's your sister. I get it. You guys are teenagers. You're going to fight. But what I'm saying is keep in the back of your mind that always err on the side of grace. Because later on in life, that's Ooh. your sister. That's family. Yeah. Mom and dad are going to die and go away somewhere. You're going to have your siblings. Right. You want to keep that relationship as good as you can in adulthood. Did she grasp that concept? Yeah. Did she? Okay. Yeah, because... Because she, she's what? She's 13. 13. Yeah. Okay. And so, so I said, listen, I said, oh, you know how we don't ever go to family reunions with my family? Mm-hmm. We don't have real interactions with our family? She said, yeah. And I said, or mom's family? She's like, yeah. And I said, ding, there you go. Mm-hmm. She was like, oh, yeah, because no one wants to be around each other more. We used to do that. When I was a kid, we used to do it all the time. Right. That, was a, that was a thing. And then everybody started throwing stones at everybody else, and I don't like what you're doing, and you're blah, 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 blah. And so now nobody even talks to each other. Right. And it's just like, that's, and that's family. That says nothing about people that you're just acquaintances or friends. It, so, yeah, we, we had that. Always, always, always err on the side of grace. And, and scriptural grace. Oh, yeah, yeah, not greasy grace. And true grace. Uh-huh. Not, well, I suppose I'm going to give you grace on that. Yeah, yeah, well, not passive-aggressive grace. Yes, that's not being passive aggressive and going along to get along is not grace. God Just says to, I have to love you, but I sure don't like you. Yeah, that's not okay. That's not grace. Right. That's not grace. That's actually really disgusting. Yeah. That's passive aggressive. That's lying to the person you're talking it's, to. It is almost the opposite of grace. Yep, yeah, absolutely. It's harboring that pointed nasty attitude in your heart and not letting it out loud, but you're still pointing it in that direction without providing the opportunity for forgiveness or reconciliation or grace in either direction yeah remember every conversation should always point to reconciliation or yep. restoration always yep. yep and you should always that should always be the end goal right and so if if you're just going along to get along or you're just being snarky because you have an attitude problem and you can't get over yourself or your feelers got hurt or yeah whatever that's not, I mean, that's not grace. Not, I'm not saying anything because I don't want to cause a problem. That's not grace. Oh, not at all. That's not grace. And it's lying. But, right. you know, whatever. Um, but if there's a problem, it should be addressed properly in love with grace with the goal of restoration in mind. But you got to be a grown up to do that. You can't be a child. And you have to be, you have to be so willing to just set aside whatever you think. Oh yeah, your thoughts and ideas and feelings. You you got to get them out of the way, right. or else they're going to get in the way. Or you're just going to be self righteous about it. Yeah, because you, this is what I think. This is what it's not about. What I think. It's about what you think. It's about what you're going through. What what's happening? Why is this going on? Yeah, you. It's not my opinion of it. Yeah, your opinion has no bearing right. on anything ever. Shouldn't anyway. The, the only thing that should have any bearing on it is truth. Yeah, and it, godly love looks completely different than what people think love is. Right. 
It's not, it doesn't mean that there's never any friction. What it means is when the friction comes, it might even be the cause of friction. Right. But when it's there, the goal is always restoration. The goal, remember, how can you sit and look at someone and, well, I love you, but I sure don't like you, right? How can you do that? That kind of attitude. Well, okay, whatever. I'll just sit here and not say anything so it don't cause any problems. How can you have that attitude if you're all you're worried about is putting other people before you? Mm-hmm. Is making sure that everyone else is taken care of. Mm-hmm. Is loving people more than you. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, is what we're supposed to do. And if you're, if you're not then you're focused on you. You, yourself. Right. If, 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 if you're even saying, well, I don't want to cause a problem, you've already become the determiner. Right. Because of what your opinion is going to say, well, I know it's going to cause a problem because you won't change, blah, 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 blah. You have, therefore, you're a judge, jury, and executioner. And you have slammed the door on any opportunity for God to operate in grace. In that relationship, through you in that relationship, oh, through, yeah, yeah, you have you have removed yourself from, from being conduit. from being used of God, yeah, right. You've you've just because you made a decision, you decided something about your feelings and your opinion, and so now you've decided that well, I'm just not going to allow God to use me. Mm-hmm. I'll just sit over here and be a bump on a log. What you don't realize is you may have been the catalyst to push someone closer to God. Right. Or introduce them to God. Or God may have been ready to use you to reveal something to them so they could have a closer relationship with him. Whatever. But none of that matters now because you decided. And you decided to shun yourself. Shun. Shun. Um Back to the Amish thing. If you ever want to kind of get a different picture of the of, of Amish communities, there's a series of novels uh, written by a guy in Holmes County up around Wooster, Ohio. Wooster. Wooster, Ohio. Who stopped Wooster? Yeah. Anyway, that was left field. <laughs> His name is P.L. Gauss, G-A-U-S. Um, really interesting series of books about the interaction between... Old Order Amish, not so Old Order order Amish, and the English, the outside community, and how they interact generously with each other Uh um, without going over the boundaries of what they have set up for themselves. Uh And it talks about the conflict in Amish communities. It talks about the difference between what one bishop is doing and what another bishop is doing. Yeah. So it's just just if that spurs anything in anybody. Yeah. Sorry to drone on and on about Amish people, but I was I was really moved by this yeah. this documentary, and, and I, it just it it rose things up that I just I I was flabbergasted at the hatred that I was seeing from these people who were supposed to be godly. What church are you talking about? Right. It could apply to anywhere. <laughs> I know, but I never thought in a million years that it would be Amish. Because mm-hmm. everything I knew about Amish was just like in the good old town of Intercourse, Pennsylvania, in right. Amish town, where you go as a tourist to go buy Amish right. cookies and things. That That's all I knew about Amish people. Yeah. That's it. And, and now I'm just like, I want to go rescue Amish people, because y'all are 
get out of there. That's nasty. Yeah, it's it's. It, but there are a lot of people that have in generations past that have come from that kind of upbringing. Uh, we were talking uh, about Pennsylvania Dutch. Yeah. Um, last night a little bit. Um, my father's mother, Myrtle, Myrtle Maud, Myrtle Maud Morris, by the way. I have a Myrtle in my family. Um, her parents were, they, they left a Pennsylvania Dutch community, huh. which is one step removed from Amish. Sure. Dutch is a corruption of the word Deutsch, German. Yep. That's all. Sure. So, you know, I, I guess I get an, I don't know. I, I understand it. Yeah. It was completely foreign to me, and I was yeah. just blown away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all the stuff I had to talk about. Yes. I guess we're probably at the end of our time. I, th- I think we are. Um, that was interesting I for me, and I know it was for you. <laughs> Sorry there wasn't really a Bible topic in this uh, oh, particular we went, we episode. We went there. Yeah, we did, but, you know, I, there's a lot of... Under, understand, just because we don't open up the Bible and talk about three verses for an hour, <laughs> which would cause me to... Ask Jacob to shoot me with a practice arrow. <laughs> um, doesn't mean that God's not doing stuff. Um, tell your friends about what we do. Um, we'd love to have people from outside our community. <laughs> if I can say that. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That would that would listen, not because we think we're right or we're going to do great things in their life. No, but we're just. We're talking about God, and we're talking about the human condition, and we're talking about how that those two interact poorly most often. <laughs> yeah. And so don't you know? Don't be shy. Throw it out there. Yeah. Share it. When you see it on Facebook, share it. You share see it, it on up. Instagram. Share it. Yeah. Who knows where you'll where it'll wind up? Yeah. Also, if you're several episodes behind, what are you doing with your life? Oh wait, having I, one. <laughs> I, you know, it goes against the rules to actually not be more current. With the uh, with the podcast, um, there, I'll talk to the bishop. <laughs> He's asleep. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, yep. I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, share it with your friends. If you want to get a hold of us, the contact info is at the beginning of every episode. Um, pick one, listen to it, you'll find it. Yep. Um, Just shout at us. That's all I got. Uh, that's uh, there. It is in a nutshell. As we say at the end of every episode, go bless somebody. Please, please, please find somebody to bless. Love you. Bye.